maybe you don't know Christ and you've come seeking him today, I want to invite you to, to listen to his word and to open your heart to say, God, speak to me. This is real, Lord. Speak to me today. Lord, grasp my heart. Tug me. Let me know. Maybe you're here this morning and you know Christ, but your life spiritually is flat. It's, it's not maturing. It's not growing. It's not moving. You've been stuck for a while. You've been doing the church thing, but you have not been growing. I, I want to invite you to ask God to open the eyes of your heart that you might become alive in him and grow in him. Maybe there are things that you don't possess the power over right now, even though you've trusted Christ. I want to ask you to say, God, speak to me today. Show me where I am. Speak to me and move in me. And be willing to listen and to respond and to act. Father, we pray this day that you would open the eyes of our hearts. God, uh, there are probably those today who don't know you. I pray that they would come to know you. Your grace and your forgiveness and your salvation and your power. For those, Father, who know you but have, have not grown, have not matured in their faith, God, we want to ask you to begin that process as you speak to them and as you draw them, that they'd be willing to take some steps of action to grow in their faith. So, Lord, we want to just lift this time up to you and want to thank you for how good and blessed you are. And speak to our hearts. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of First Peter. Chapter 1, uh, and uh, next week we will finish up in First Peter. Uh, we want to encourage you to read through the whole book, but I wanted to get you started. and We wanted to understand the premise of the book and the purpose of the book. And Peter is telling folks, look, suffering is coming. Some of you already endure suffering. I want to tell you how you can suffer and how it can grow you, how it can mature you, how it can refine you. How it can be used of God. And Peter is speaking here, and I've titled this sermon, To Grow Up in Your Salvation. And Peter will make that very quote here in just a moment. We read this earlier, but I want us to, to hear it again. And then I'm going to have a couple of folks come up and share their testimonies. Uh, share how this passage applies in their life. In verse 22, now that you've been purified You've purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Um, J.I. Packer indicates that there are three principles in here that help us to grow up in our salvation. And there are three of them, and I'm not going to give them in the chronological order, but this first one, he says, is obeying the truth. So you may have trusted Christ. You may have, you may have studied the Word of God, but are you obeying the Word of God? Then he says... That you are to have a sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. Just as Jesus talked about in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. That we are to love one another. And by this they will know you're my disciples. They'll know that you are my fathers by the way that you love one another. By the community that you form. By the impact and influence that you hold over one another. The importance of living in relational community, in spiritual community. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. You know, we live in a culture today that a lot of people today uh, don't want to take on the term born again. They want to say, you know, I'm, I'm just a Christian. I'm just a Christian. And, and let me say this. 
A born-again Christian is a redundant statement. Because if you are a Christian, you have been born again. So they're not mutually exclusive, okay? They're not like, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been born again. Well, no, you hadn't, okay? You don't have to say, I'm a born-again Christian, but when you do say, I'm a Christian, it's because you've been born again. Uh, the term's okay, okay? Jesus used it, all right? Uh, Jesus used it several times. He most specifically used it in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came. And what did he tell Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again. So don't let people scare you away from that term like that's the fanatical term. That, the, the way the media uses that today, if you're oh, there are Christians and there are born-again Christians. You know, those are the people like, you know, they're like totally obsessed and... You know, they're the ones you interview that don't have their teeth and are making ridiculous statements. I mean, that's why the media would propose, like, there's some kind of choice you have here uh, when it comes to being born again. They're, they're just, just, I'm just a Christian, I'm not born again. Well, no, if you have trusted Christ, then you are born again. This passage tells us very clearly, it's stated throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, let's just look at the places that, that it's stated to begin with. Uh, it's found in 1 Peter 1, 23 right here. It's found in John chapter 3. Jesus, when he's talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, tells us that you're going to take upon living water, and this living water is going to spring up and give you an eternal life. Okay? So we see that principle there. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 17. Behold, uh, all things become new. You are a new creature in Christ. You are a new creation. You've been born again is the language that it's describing right there. And then in James 1.18, uh, we see the term again that we must be born again, that we've been born again. Okay, So it is very central and it is very necessary. All right? And he says you were born of perishable seed, but now you've been born of imperishable seed. So in other words, we've all been born... Uh, with a perishable seed. In other words, as soon as we're born, we start the process of dying. Okay, we're we're going to grow, but we're eventually going to die. But when we are born again spiritually, we spiritually live for eternity. Okay, and so we continue here, and he says for uh, for the and it also says through the living and enduring Word of God. So the three ways that we primarily grow are that of uh, number one, the Word of God. Learning and understanding the Word of God. Number two, obeying the Word of God. And number three, through living in spiritual community. All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the Word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Therefore, when you have been born again, and as you begin to grow in your faith, Rid yourself of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. By the way, if I haven't been born again, I don't possess the power to do those things, and I'll just continually be frustrated. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So we see that the Word of God is a complete necessity for us to grow up in our salvation, we see these principles. A while ago, he said, therefore, which again we talked about as a henna clause, a purpose clause, as it started right here in the second chapter. He said, therefore, so, therefore, in order for us to grow up, we must do those things. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Because some people just taste of the Lord and they come to that point where they genuinely repent and invite Christ to come into their life. And they are born again. But then that becomes the end of it. That's right, I did that. And uh, now I try to go to church every once in a while. We talked about the process of salvation a few weeks ago. 
that when we are saved, when we're, quote, born again, we are saved from the penalty of sin. And while we're here on this earth, we've been saved from the power of our sin. But in order for that to really occur, we must be maturing. We must be growing. Same thing is true of a child. You know, a child is is born, but for them to learn and to grow, there's some skills that they have to learn and they have to apply and they have to put into action. The real truth of it is spiritually, uh, just like some people emotionally, some people emotionally are, are still very immature. They're still very childish. I, I run into people, men, women too, but all the time that, that have no ability how to control their tongue. Uh, how to control their anger. I mean, I'm probably still an adolescent in that stage myself, okay? But we, we, there are parts of us emotionally that don't always mature to our chronological age. And we all work with someone like that. Don't you work with someone like that? You're thinking, somehow they miss this people skill. <laughs> they miss this, like, maturational process, and you want to go and tell them. So we all know people like that, and sometimes people are saying that about us, okay? So that's, that's what, your wife probably says that about you. I'm sure not in front of you. Uh, but nevertheless, <clears throat> and, and you know what's bad is when your kids start doing it. You know, I've got one that's old enough to go, and Dad, you know, you know, you know, really don't do a good job in that, and that's not very mature. And I'm looking at him... I, I'll show you what mature is, my goodness. And I, and I go, okay, God, I'm really convicted. i got a six-year-old pointing out my immaturities now. So, so we all know that we're struggling with that. And we'll look in just a moment in the book of First John, and he, he talks about that there. He literally lays out the, the uh, visual, the metaphors, that there are stages to our spiritual maturity. Now, so could it be that sometimes... We know that people just haven't trusted Christ. They've tried to accept the goodness. Uh, and they say, oh, I believe that God is good, and I believe He's merciful and He's forgiving. But uh, that's what I believe, and that's the end of it. Well, if that's all there is, then there was no need for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So it's more than just believing that God is good and that God is forgiving. It's believing that He has the power and the authority to forgive you of your sins through the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is completely essential and necessary for us to be born again, for us to transfer our trust to what He has done on the cross and receive His grace and forgiveness. That is essential. So it's not just that God is good and He's loving and I'm trying to be a good person. All right? That's not even infancy. You haven't even been born again yet. You're still doing it in your your own flesh. It's that I've transferred my trust from what I could do to what He has already done and received the grace and forgiveness and recognizing my need. So, could it be, though, once you've trusted Christ, that you could just still be a baby in your faith? You could still just be a child. Maybe you've not really studied Scripture or maybe looked at it a little bit and you just kind of show up to church. And if you if I took you... Ten years ago, what's the difference than where you were ten years ago, five years ago, two years ago, a year ago? Have you matured? Can I tell you, just existing, it's not like age, chronological age that you just get older. Just existing does not make you more mature. Just showing up at church doesn't make you more mature. Is that possible? I want to show you some examples. I'm sure these guys are excited after I laid it out that way. Uh, if you three men would come on up here. Uh, these three men, matter of fact, I'm going to move this out of your way to some degree. Uh, this is Lee Williamson. This is Josh Zarbaugh and then John Talkington. And uh, I've asked these guys to just share for a moment.
And uh, each of them have a different story, a different testimony, but they all accepted Christ at a younger age in life where they trusted Christ. But then that's where it stopped. It just didn't grow. Some of them as teenagers. Uh, but then their faith just kind of stopped. They attended church occasionally, maybe looked at a Bible verse every once in a while. And they went on that way for years. And as we talked about having the power through our salvation, the power of sin, they didn't have the power because they weren't growing. They were as children left uh, to defend for themselves when the wiles of Satan came against them. So uh, I'm going to ask them to each share. Uh, you know what? Since we're right here in order, I'm just going to go with you, Josh, and then we'll go with John and then Lee. Hi, my name's Josh. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. I'm 17 and I uh, already have a beard. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was uh, born in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, was moved here about age six, I think. I've uh, been living here ever since. I've been here for about four or five months now, somewhere around there. But anyways, uh, I had actually uh, accepted Christ at a young age. Uh, of course, that's accepted. I uh, fully understood uh, what it, what the meaning was whenever I was about 14 years old. Uh, I went to a uh, church camp uh, with my dad, actually, and I was uh, baptized in the ocean. That was kind of cool. But uh, anyways, so I had thought that being a Christian would be easy. Uh, no troubles, no anything, but boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, I eventually started getting into, uh, into drugs, stuff like that, hanging out with the wrong crowd. Uh, I fell pretty deep into it. Um, I, kept, I kept getting deeper and deeper, and eventually uh, I had gotten to something that I basically almost died. Uh, I had a near, near-death experience. I uh, had, had psychological freakouts for a month afterwards. I mean, I mean, my heart was racing all the time and everything, and eventually that kind of just kicked it in the gear. I had to change. So uh, eventually I was, I was just in my kitchen one day, and uh, I, I love music. Uh, I mean, God speaks in amazing ways, and I had just uh, these lyrics popped up in my mind. I didn't know where they come from or anything, so uh, I just started singing it in my mind. And so I was like, huh, I don't know what song this is, and it had the lyrics Christ in me. And... Uh, so I pulled out my iPhone, pulled like went to YouTube. I was trying to figure out what the song was, and found a video, and it was a uh, kind of like a slideshow. And I had basically just started started saying saying stuff about living every day for Christ. Uh, it had quoted Romans 12. Uh, right after that, I just kicked it in the gear, opened my Bible up, and uh, read Romans 12, and basically summarizes into living for Him, walking with Him, uh, understanding. Uh, and then basically after that, I just, just kind of realized, hey, God loves me. And, uh, I mean, what was really weird too is I went to, uh, church that next Sunday and they were talking about Romans 12. So I was like, wow, <laughs> that's God for you. But ever since then, I've just been completely changed. So. Okay. Well, John? Yeah, yeah, I pretty much consider myself a Christian all my life. I went to, uh, church on and off with my parents as far back as I can remember. I think my earliest memory was five years old or so. And I made the choice to get baptized when I was probably 15, And uh, but I never really considered myself a very strong Christian. I kind of went to church on and off, uh, read my Bible every once in a while, never was very serious about it. And then I pretty much carried that mediocre habit into my marriage. I got married 18 years ago, 
and uh, had my first daughter eight years ago and my second daughter four years ago. And I, ne- I carried my bad habits into my marriage, into my leadership as a father, and pretty much continued on that same route. Um, we went to church on and off. I would sit and read the Bible with the kids at night on and off, but never really was growing in my faith. Um, and I guess the change started in, uh, well, the story started in late 2007. My wife got sick and was having breathing problems and went to the doctor. And uh, long story short, that continued through all of 2008. She went to probably six or seven different doctors trying to figure out what the problem was. Nobody could really identify exactly what was wrong. They knew it was pulmonary fibrosis, but they couldn't figure out what was driving it. Um, and then uh, in early 2009, uh, she took a turn for the worse and got, got really bad. And uh, I remember taking my kids to the Nokia Theater one day and uh, to watch a Sesame Street live show and it was all she could do just to make it to the top of the steps going into the building. So the next day we went to see her pulmonologist and he could see immediately that she was not doing very well. And uh, so we checked her into the hospital the next morning and he called one of his friends to do an open lung biopsy and uh, he said it would be an hour. Well, three hours later, he showed up in the waiting room looking like he had just been in a car wreck or something, and the look on his face didn't tell a good story. And they found out it was uh, stage four lung cancer. It had already spread to her spine. And uh, so it was it was a pretty devastating bit of news. But by the end of the day, we uh, had already talked with an oncologist, and he gave us quite a bit of hope. He said, uh, you know, this is very treatable. There's no need for chemo. So he sent us home with uh, Tarceva, which is a new designer drug for cancer. It's $150 a pill. supposed to be really good stuff. We talked with uh, at least three or four different people who had had stage four or worse lung cancer, and uh, they were all recovered, living like they'd never had it. So we were very hopeful. But uh, about a week later, I got a call from work. Um, her home nurse, her home nurse had visited the house to change uh, some of her bandages that she had in her side from the from the open lung biopsy, and they they called me and said well, her oxygen saturation is at seventy percent. So I think I broke every traffic law that there is trying to get home fast enough, and uh, I met the ambulance there, and they took her to the hospital in Denton, and then. Then they put her on a helicopter to downtown Dallas to fly her to the hospital where her doctor worked. Um, but even throughout this time, I I never had any doubt that God could heal her and uh, she would eventually recover from it and, and be okay. But things didn't go our way. They uh, She had developed lung clots or blood clots in her lungs, and that's why we had to send her to the hospital. And then she over the course of the next two weeks, developed a leak in her other lung, the one that they didn't do the biopsy on. And uh, a week after that, she developed a staph infection. Her doctor called me in and said, you got to make a decision. Uh, do you want to put her on a ventilator and see if she, she can survive long enough to get rid of the, the staph infection? I said, yeah, do it. So never once did I doubt God's ability to heal her and to, to bring her back to the hospital, but uh, 
after a week on a ventilator and just watching her condition deteriorate further, I think one day I counted 11 tubes that were sticking out of her body somewhere. And I just remember going home that night and I sat on the floor with my Bible and was really wondering, you know, what is God's will? What is, you know, I know what I've been praying for. I said, God, you know what I want. I've asked you every day multiple times, but I'm starting to get the feeling that perhaps your will is not for her to come home from the hospital. So I sat there on the floor and read my Bible and uh, looked up every verse that I could find on God's will. And I just sort of felt God speak to me and uh, let me know that, yeah, perhaps this is not my will. But regardless of what happens, uh, I will deliver you through this. And the next day, I went to the hospital and watched her take her last breath. And in that moment, I was, I can't even describe the feeling, but I was just overcome with this sense of peace and comfort and knowing that somehow I was going to get through this. And, and, uh, I didn't know what God's plan was, but I knew that he, he had one. And, uh, looking back on it now, I don't know how I survived that. I, I don't know how I didn't fall apart, but, uh, he delivered me. Hey, my name is uh, Lee Williamson, and uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and have been um, attending church here with my family for uh, about six or seven months now. Um, and just real, real briefly, this is just my experience and just a little bit about my background. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, played college football at uh, uh, Georgia Tech. Um, I was I actually accepted Jesus Christ when I was in high school. I can't exactly pinpoint the exact time and place. Um, it was at a Young Life event um, at, in high school. Well, um, you know, I guess I, I can sum up my from the from the time that I was about 15 or 16 years old uh, up until about 38. I'm 42 now, uh, but up until about 38 was my, my life was built around. Uh, pride and selfishness. Uh, you know, I attended church, um, but when I walked out the doors of the church, that's pretty much where it ended. I lived the life like I wanted to live it for, um, you know, every, every, you know, uh, Monday through Saturday, I guess. Um, when I left Georgia Tech, um, I was blessed. Uh, God continued to give me blessings. I was blessed to, um, sign with the Houston Oilers and, uh, Went down to Houston and uh, spent four seasons down there as a, as a uh, guy in the NFL, pursued a lifelong dream and got the chance to do that. But um, my relationship with God, with God was really non-existent, um, really non-existent. I lived my life the way I wanted to live it, uh, and that meant materialism. Uh, that meant uh, hanging out with the wrong people. Uh, that meant alcohol in excess. Um, and so I just ignored everything. And, and a coach once told me uh, um, that you're oftentimes you're going to end up uh, in a direction where your feet are pointed. And uh, my feet were, uh, for many, many years, were pointed way, way over here. And uh, knowing full time that you know, there were answers over here, but I ignored it. I ignored it, continued living the way that I wanted to live, continued to doing the things that I wanted to do the way I wanted to do them. And um, 
to the extent that I became uh, an alcoholic. Um, and it just about took me, well, it took me down a lot of dark paths. Um, I don't have enough time to share uh, a lot of these, a lot, a lot of the stories with you. Um, but I was in a, I was on a business trip in Pensacola, Florida with a few of my sales guys. And what I, what I can tell you is, is that after a night of shenanigans, uh, I woke up the next morning not feeling real well. But I can tell you that there was something in my heart that was different. Um, I will tell you that I was about that far from, uh, divorce from my wife and my, uh, and my family walking out. Um, and I looked in the mirror before I got in the shower and I just, uh, something was different. Um, I'm not sure what it was really. Uh, but, but I knew that I needed to make some significant changes. Even though I had been saved years and years ago, my walk was non-existent. And so, uh, came back to Atlanta and got involved, uh, in AA the following day. Um, that was three and a half years ago, going on four years. And, um, I, I can just tell you that, that, that my life has changed dramatically. Uh, it has been, it has gone, it's like night and day. Um, and even though, uh, you, you know, I had maybe some good things happen in my life, I was ex- extremely empty inside. I had no peace in my life. Zero. And, um, the last three and a half years, um, with praying, with reading my Bible, with getting involved in small groups, um, it has been it has been a life changer for me. It has been an absolute life changer. It's changed every aspect of my life, uh, from my marriage to my relationships with my friends uh, to my relationships with my daughters. Um, but it just it took me twenty some years to to uh, get to that point. Twenty some years to get to that point. So. I think Lee answered this, but Josh and John answer this question. How is your life different today than it was five years ago or four years ago? How have you grown up and what have you do? What have you done to grow up? Well, first, I've uh, definitely been reading the Bible a lot more, uh, basically taking to taking to heart what I read, uh, living it out. Um, definitely noticing that he's always there for me and uh, he'll help me through a lot of different difficult times and stuff. So. Okay. John? Well, I think uh, what I realized in, during my experience is just how many years I'd wasted drifting and uh, not really going anywhere. So, you know, today I have a very, uh, I have a much closer relationship to God and uh, I can't seem to find enough time to read and study my Bible. In fact, I was telling Ron the other day that uh, if I could, I could, I'd quit work just to go to seminary school and <laughs> find a way to study the Bible the way I'd want to. So, but uh Today I'm remarried, I have five kids, and uh, I'm just overcome with a sense of responsibility to to study and know God's Word and to lead my family. Thank you, guys. So, as Peter is speaking to us here this morning... We see that being born again is not an option, that it's central and necessary. There's a definite time, though sometimes we can't remember the exact day, there's a definite time where Christ comes in and forgives us our sins 
and transforms us and changes us. Each one of those men, as I sat and shared with them, shared a testimony of when they came to that point where they trusted Christ. But also, the Bible tells us clearly here that it's essential that we grow in our faith, that we grow up in our salvation. And we talked about the three ways that we can do that. Number one is through nourishment. Through the reading, the studying, and seeking to understand the Word of God. If you're not devoting some time of your day to study the Word of God, if you're not looking for opportunities in which you can enrich your life spiritually, then it's just like a child who doesn't read. I'm not going to read. I don't want to do those books. And what happens? They stay at a first grade level, second, third, fourth, fifth grade level. If they don't learn to read, if they don't learn to pronounce words, if they don't practice, if they don't study, it's imperative that we begin to read and to understand. The way that we have understanding is is we attend classes, uh, we take studies, and we offer plenty of those here at Rock Point. Those are offered a lot uh, throughout the week, and so we encourage you, even on Sunday mornings. Opportunities to understand it. So those are imperative. Number one, to study the Word of God, to be nourished by the Word of God. Uh, Peter makes it very clear that that's an essential if we're going to mature. You're not just going to do it just because you get older. You'll just look older and know the same thing. Okay? And it doesn't look good on you. Number two, obedience. To obey the Word of God. So it's not enough just to know the Word of God, but I have to start to apply. How am I applying this? into my everyday life. How am I obeying the commands? Yes, I know what the commands are. I, I know them, but I'm not doing them. I'm not obeying them. I'm not obeying uh, the desires of, 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 the, of Jesus' heart that he's ascribed to me in Scripture. Am I obeying? Am I following through? And number three, am I a part of the community of faith? Am I putting myself in an environment where other believers are, where they can keep me accountable, where I can be discipled, where I can ask questions and talk about things. I remember when, when my faith, I was definitely immature in my faith. I accepted Christ when I was younger. And I, I also can't give you a specific age, but I remember uh, at First Baptist Leesville, I remember praying this. Matter of fact, I prayed it every night. I'd pray every night, Jesus coming to my heart, uh, because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And I was kept waiting for an emotional bell to go off. and uh, But I, I finally came to that place when I was a teenager understanding, okay, it's by grace I'm saved through faith. So this is a gift of grace that Christ has promised me. So even if I don't cry, this counts, okay? Uh, kind of deal. So anyway, so I would read my Bible each night. I'd read a <clears throat> Bible story. And then I, I tried to be somewhat good, you know, and tried not to take the Lord's name in vain. I went to church every Sunday. So I thought that was good Christianity, okay? I was about I was about an eight-year-old Christian or nine-year-old Christian at that point. That's kind of where I was. Even as a teenager, that's where I was. Well, I'll never forget um, one summer as I got older, I went to work at a camp for the summer uh, to help pay for some college. And I got there, and I thought I was pretty good. I went to church every Sunday. I tried to be a, a decent person. I, I read a Bible verse or two every night and a little devotional. I thought I thought I was on fire, you know. I'm doing real well. And I get there, and I'm with this group of guys who all obviously love Jesus more than I do. They have more knowledge. They have more understanding. They have more application. There was something different. And I was now with a group of guys that were in college and in seminary uh, who loved Jesus in a way that, that I didn't. 
And it began to impact me. And they began to ask me questions and they began to challenge me. And they began to ask me if I'd read certain things. And they began to challenge some of the things that I would say and uh, the way that I would say them to people. And uh, and it just really, really began to inspire me. And all of a sudden, it, it just kind of got on me. And I, and I started to have this new desire uh, to, to study more fully and and to really let Jesus have control of my life. And by the end of that summer... An opportunity came up to speak, and I've shared this before, and I, and I spoke to some of the boys. And, and, that, and that was a big deal, and out of that came my calling uh, into, into ministry. But I can tell you this, it wasn't just because I just showed up at church every Sunday. It wasn't just because I tried to not lie. Okay? That's still a very immature mindset. Let me show you what uh, the book of John says. First uh, John chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Turn with me, First John chapter 2. And John, uh, actually, uh, according to Packer, Packer says that these are actually the three uh, maturational states of the spiritual life in First John chapter 2, verse 12. I write to you, and these we'll do these in a different order. We're not going to do them in the order they're given. We'll do them in chronological order. But John writes to him in First John chapter 2, verse 12. I write to you, dear children. He calls them children because your sins have been forgiven. So you need to understand that your that's the first step. Do you realize your sins have been forgiven? That you don't have to live in bondage, that God has forgiven you. And have you really understood that truth, that your sins are forgiven, that your identity is in Christ? It's not in your job or what else you're trying to accomplish. So forgiveness has come and you fully embrace that, that I am identified with Christ and my sins are forgiven and I am clean. That's the first step as a child. And I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you dear children because you have known the father. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. So, the, the first stage, of course, is to be a child. And each one of those men kind of said, you know, I was kind of a child in my faith. I'd never really grown in my faith. I had prayed and, and, and asked Christ to come my life. And I, I attended church, <clears throat> but I didn't really study the Word of God. I didn't really seek to make that a consistent part of my life. And so I was a child. And then this thing happened to me, or this temptation came. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to handle it. I didn't have enough strength. I didn't have enough spiritual fortitude to deal with it. You know, that's the thing. Sometimes we accept Christ, and Josh even said this. I thought I'd accept Christ, and I thought it'd be fine. I thought I'd be strong enough to handle everything. But the Bible tells us that we are continually battling the power of sin. And unless we draw upon the Word of God and the Spirit of God, we are actually no match. Just because we're saved does not mean we're exempt from darts and arrows and shots that will be fired our way. Doesn't mean we're exempt from addictions and things of that nature. We must recognize that there's a spiritual battle going on for our soul. There's a spiritual battle going on for our life right here. And there's one who comes, the Bible says in John 10, 10, to kill, still, and destroy you. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to kill, still, and destroy your life. But Jesus wants us to have life and to have it abundantly. In order for us to have life and to have it abundantly, we must first of all study and know the Word of God. Secondly, we must obey the Word of God. And thirdly, we must put ourselves in community with God's people.
okay, and allow them to speak truth into our life and accountability into our life and prayers into our life. So, children, I know the stuff. I accepted Christ. I think I'm okay. I'm not really doing anything else. Adolescence. All right, I'm trying to be obedient, trying to go to church. I'm trying to not sin. I recognize there's some issues. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best. I'm just trying hard uh, sometimes. Okay, that's what adolescence is. But maturity is recognized. You know what? Unless I am dependent upon the Word of God and among the people of God, and unless I'm being obedient, uh, I'm going to there, but there, but the grace of God goes I, go I. That is the, that is the place that I am. And I, I recognize I need to be investing in people's lives. If I know the Word of God, then I'm investing. I'm not just a, I'm not just a pond that gathers water, but I'm a river that allows it to flow through me into the, the lives of other people. That's what maturity is. So we can't say we're mature because we know a lot of stuff. Okay? That just means you know a lot. That, that doesn't, that hasn't served any purpose. What are you doing with what you learn? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you sharing? Are you investing in others' lives? Are you investing into the spiritual community with your time, your resources, your abilities? Uh, who, who are you investing in? What person is coming closer to the Lord Jesus Christ because of your investment? That's what it looks to be mature. To be a father. So my question to you is, where are you today? Are you in child status? Adolescent status? Are you mature in your faith? That's the truth of Scripture. That's the necessity of Scripture. I want us to take a moment to pray. And maybe you're here this morning and you've just never trusted Christ. You've never come to that place where you recognize you're a sinner and you need Forgiveness. I, I want to invite you right now to recognize where you are before God. And if you have not accepted, I want to invite you to say, you know, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize I need you and I need your forgiveness. Would you come into my life and save me? Maybe you're here this morning and you identify with these guys. You go, I, I trusted Christ, but I've just kind of been going through the motions since then. I attend church, but it's really having no impact on me. I want to ask you to make a commitment to the Word of God. We have a devotionals outside to help you get started. Uh, we have Bible studies that are going on all throughout the week and on Sunday morning. I want to ask you to take that next step to begin to learn the Word of God and then to begin to apply it. And if you've learned the Word of God, if you've been taught the Word of God, if you know the Word of God, I want to ask you, Christian, how are you using it to impact the kingdom. Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? Who are you encouraging? Who are you teaching? Who are you leading? Who are you helping? Who are you praying for that they would come to know Christ? Who are you sharing the gospel with? That's what maturity looks like. It's an overflow of what's inside you. Whatever the case may be, I want to ask you to say yes to God today. Let's pray. And then we'll have a time response. Father, we thank you that you are good and gracious and loving God. And Lord, we thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. And there are those here that don't know you today. Lord, I pray that they would come to know you today. There are many here who, Lord, are children in their faith and they need to take the next step. 
They need to be discipled. <clears throat> they need to get involved in a Bible study. They need to make a commitment to begin to, to get in the Word each day. Lord, I pray that you would lead them to do that. And Lord, there are those who have done that and now they need to begin to share of what you have given them, of the years of experience, of the years of knowledge, and to invest that into the lives of others. Lord, I pray that you would move in the hearts of our people this day for your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.